to episode 263 of the Bitch Talk Podcast. Booze and interviews straight from the heart of Oakland this time around. Uh, this is part two of a really special two-parter. Uh, Ange, thank goodness, and producer Char came to the media preview of something I've been working on at the Oakland Museum of California. It's called Respect uh, Hip Hop Style and Wisdom. And so uh, Ange was cool enough to go around and interview a lot of the collaborators and people that have uh, really put their heart and soul into this exhibition. So she's going to talk a little bit about who she talked to, and then we'll come back at the end and uh, wrap up. Now, it really, it really felt like a kid in a candy shop as somebody that grew up uh, with hip hop being like pretty much a foundation for me musically. I was like, oh, I could talk to MCs, I could talk to graffiti artists, I could talk to journalists that have been documenting it their whole lives. I mean, it was just like the, uh, the whole range of, of hip hop, which is what makes it so, so beautiful as an art form, is it's not just about the music. It's uh, there are so many different factions and facets, and it, and it really is a, a wide ranging. It's a it's a cultural phenomenon, not just a musical phenomenon. So um, up ahead, we have interviews with Ebone Four One Five, who is a, a hip hop. What would you say, collector of yes. of sorts of clothing, all things clothing and, and boombox accessories. Uh, we have Mike Realm, who is. Uh, it was even hard for me to describe what he does. I mean, you. He's a DJ, but he also makes video to accompany it, and he calls it video scratching. So he scratches the music and he scratches the video. It's part of video DJ, if you will. Right. And then Amanda Sade, who is a photographer and has a lot of really beautiful pieces up, and Vogue, who is huge in the graffiti scene. So we have a really good, well-rounded bunch of interviews for you, and I hope you enjoy. I'm currently speaking with Mike Realm, who's San Francisco-based audio and video mashup director of all, all things. I mean, how do you explain it? It's incredible what you do. Uh, I would explain. Well, I'm a DJ first and foremost, and I've expanded to uh, the visual arts. And luckily, you know, um, companies like Serato have made. Um, have given us the ability to basically scratch videos. So that's just opened my world up immensely. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. And and so when you were approached, how were you approached, first of all? I, I want you to explain what you did for the exhibit and, and how you were approached with this idea. Uh, well, a friend of mine, Adisa Banjoko, who's the guest curator for the whole thing. Uh, I mean, we've been friends for 20, almost 20 years now. And so he's kind of explaining what his idea for the uh, for the entire thing was, and I'm just like, okay, how do how do we how do we make this happen? Like, I want to be involved, and he's like, all right, well, what would be cool is if you did your thing, but you know, like, because most of the time I'm doing it live. You know what I mean? So he said, for the first time, I want you to make something that will live on its own. Like, I don't have to be here to, you know, be DJing it and stuff. And, and you know, let's do a multi-screen. Let's just blow it out. Do it, just throw everything you can at it. You do the music, do the visuals, make it work. It's for hip-hop, it's for Oakland, for chess, for martial arts, and and go and so he brought me on board and I'm like alright let's do it like, it sounded pretty overwhelming yeah, and yeah. you know it's just like how like 
there's really no template for it so it was hard you know I could have there was no like shortcut of oh I'll just look at this and just make my own version of that like no I had to actually kind of map it out and um, you know be mindful you know how's this gonna look how's this gonna sound um, what how long is it you know at first I was like can I can I do 10 minutes I'm not even sure ended up with like almost an hour of material you know what I mean so. no I am impressed that you broke it down to an hour I mean basically you're telling the history of hip-hop in two videos playing side by side but you cut it down to an hour I can't even imagine how much footage you looked at and how, how do you even pick what's gonna go in like what takes precedence over something else oh, yes that's the tough one. well that's I guess from you know I've been DJing for you know since 93 uh, I guess it's just kind of how my brain works. Like, I'm just sort of, like, I'm very aware of that, like, you know, like, an hour, hour and a half, I can... I have a very good sense of like, yeah, it's like a set time. So I have a very good, like my instincts for that are, are pretty good by now. Uh, so just sort of like telling that. And I always, you know, as a filmmaker, the, the, the main thing is tell a story. You know what I mean? Like you can have the, the coolest visuals, the best cameras or whatever. It doesn't matter if you're not really telling a story, you know? So we added a lot. We, we, we um, interviewed um, a lot of people like A plus from hieroglyphics, uh, Sake One, um, Adisa, and DJ Backside, and I incorporated those interviews in a musical way. You know what I mean? Because that's what I do. You know, I'll I'll take anything and, and remix it. I'll take anything and put it in. You know, because that's just kind of how my brain works now. Because you know, um, I'm used to sampling. So I'm always listening for stuff. You know, when I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking I could sample that. I could I could turn that into something. I could oh, she said this in that way, like in this cool cadence. Yeah. Uh, that's totally on me. I could I could I'll make something out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, in in terms of the video, watching it, it, it kind of felt like going through a family album. I don't. It just felt like I was home, kind of thing. Like it, it's all neighborhoods. It's all it's all people in, in the streets and and such a community driven video to go on top of the beats that I grew up listening to. Oh, that's interesting. I never I never thought of it as a family. But yeah, that makes sense because like I, mean, I grew up in the Bay, so you know, definitely, I mean, especially because this is the Oakland Museum, we have to include like Bay Area stuff. And I mean, dude, how do you not include Mr. Fab yeah. on any of the, you know, that's Fabby Davis, yeah, yeah. you know, and that, that was special to me because I've known Fab for years. I, I directed his first music video. Oh, cool. So that was really special to have yeah. that stuff. I'm like, okay, I got to put Fab in there. You know, of course he's 40, too short. Um, and also, I also toured with Black Alicious and Lyrics Born and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. So just to me, like when you say family album, that really to me felt like a family album because you know, I spent years with these guys traveling the world and you know, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get emotional about it, but like, it, it felt, it was cool. <laughs> I, I definitely got emotional in that room, walking in, like, and and just like the kids on bikes and the, you know, it just, it just felt like it felt so. I, I've never felt so at home in an exhibit before. That means so much that you just said that. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. No, really, I mean, I think well, and I think that that was a big part of uh, what this exhibit means is um, to show people that hip hop is community. Like we're all artists. We are. We're all creators, and it's not one thing it's kind of like this sprung from the community yeah yeah and and the music is at the at the core of it you know like it's so people I mean 
I mean, every every city has their thing. You know what I mean? Like for for music, but like it's so hard to describe the Bay Area in that way because there's so much. Like you know, back back to the '60s when you know when it was like Jefferson Airplane and and those kind of guys. To now, it's like we have so much. There's so much. Um, it's so yeah. It was. I mean, I, it's it's just hard to it's hard to just describe the whole thing. But you know, when I was working on it, I was like, I really want people to see this. Like, how do I get this to people that aren't in Oakland? And I'm like, looking at it on my computer screen. Even when I put it on two screens, you can't really do that. So I need people to just come to Oakland and see yeah, it. Yeah, you got to come out and feel it because the how big are the the um, screens? There's two screens side by side. They're they're huge. They're, I mean, it's floor to ceiling. I think it's like nine feet tall. Yeah. So, but when you stand in front of them, it's like, whoa! You're just this is the world. In, yeah. In the world. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you feel? What do you hope people that come to see this exhibit walk away feeling about hip hop, about the culture? Wow. I, you know, at first, I really, I really hope that people would feel. Um, you know, like they like they learn something, but we're also entertained. But now that you mention, you feel at home. Like that's that's a more amazing feeling to to come away with, I think. Uh, so that'd be great if everyone felt at home, felt you know connected and just enriched by the whole thing. Because I mean, my my part is just one section. There's a whole other experience here. Like this is crazy. Um, if if I mean, yeah. Look, people. I, I want people to feel at home. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Mike. Where can people find you and and uh, learn more about your work or see you perform live? Um, my website is mikerealm.com. Uh, right now, I'm I'm the Far Side's DJ. So you, anytime you want to see the Far Side, I'm I'm out there with them, uh, doing the visuals, doing the music. Uh, that's a fun gig because I mean I grew up on their music and yes. you know it's yeah. like th- this is the funnest time I've that's had. ridiculous yeah. yeah super jealous go on <laughs> um, and you know on, on my website I'm always posting stuff you know, you know where I am and what I'm up to I do, I do need to, to post about this yeah. yeah. <laughs> alright I'll, I'll let you go so you can get on that you, you need to post right away thank you Mike thank you so much I am here with Ebone 415 thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk you're welcome thank you for having me and you are here representing uh, you're an MC correct but you are also representing the fashion and um, uh, fashion culture side of, of hip hop correct yeah I've been rapping since the mid 90s put out projects still do music and I collaborated and loaned out a bunch of my clothing boom boxes and other stuff for a display for the Oakland Museum Wow, so you've been collecting all these for how long? Like, what's your oldest piece? If you can give us an example for those that that can't see this in front of us. What's your oldest piece? Oh, from the 80s. You know, all my gear is mostly from the mid-late 80s to the early 90s. Everything. I don't know. For whatever reason, that that's my thing. Those are my teen years too. So I really remember them. And um, but yeah. So probably the oldest one is the satin jacket from about '87. Adidas. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of troop coats, which is huge um, throughout the world back in that time. Um, and there's other different knockoffs made off of that and other memorabilia. 
Yeah, yeah. So what is what is the piece that you're most proud of? Do you still rock it, first of all? I would if I dropped a few pounds, but yeah. So you know, um, I'm proud of all of them. I, you know, it's interesting. Everyone has, it's all has their own story and all have their own different memories. And, and even, you know, even some like, oh yeah, it brings back when I see a certain, a certain out, a jacket and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happened to my sweatsuit I had back then. And I wish I still had that. Cause a lot of stuff, like a lot of us got rid of throughout the years yeah. and we're unlucky if some of us kept it for whatever reason. And then some stuff I kept, some stuff I got rid of, and then to start collecting throughout the years again, just to replenish what I don't have. So what do you think that the style of the 80s said about hip-hop culture at the time? Like, first of all, what what was the defining characteristics of the style, and what did that say about the culture? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I guess at that time, you know, when I see these coats, back then there were big patches. They were big, bold lettering. And that goes back, and even could go back before that, like back to different street gangs, like from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, um, people had turf coats on. You know, my dad's born and raised in Fillmore, and in the 50s, 60s, he was in his street gang, and he had, you know, uh, his turf coat on there with, the, with um, embroidery on there, and these jackets at that period as well, like for this task force, this bad design, back in the late 80s, so I don't know about anywhere else, but I know in San Francisco, some of the different turfs, they use some of the logos and put them on their, their neighborhood jackets, along with whatever, whether it was Hunters Point, Sunnydale, Fillmore, blah, blah, blah. So it was interesting. So it represents, you know, turf coats in a sense, the fashion, um, what was hip and going on, because these were really worldwide jackets. You know, it made its way to Europe. And they still rock stuff in Europe as well. They had a, have a big following. But, um, and everybody from LL Cool J to Run DMC and everybody in between would, MC Hammer would rock these. And, and you could, you know, you see it on their albums and you see it on their tape covers and you see it in their interviews. And it's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The first couple things you said, uh, big, big, uh, big patches and bright colors, it's, it's kind of like they wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. Like so, something along those lines of like coming from the streets and feeling disenfranchised franchise so like I'm gonna wear these big bold colors and I'm gonna step out and you're gonna notice me whether you like it or not yeah you hit it on the head right there it's um you know and it goes back to carrying your big boom box listen to me ba-boom the annoying kid I used to be rocking at 12 years old a big boom box and people look now like turn that shit off <laughs> and in your cars right same thing big system so it's it's like notice me hear me you know uh, it's a flashy symbol as well you know gold chains back then rings um, you know, sometimes people in different communities and stuff didn't have as much as other communities. But we were dressed like we had it, right? That was just the persona and the look. So, um, and these coats weren't even cheap back then. Right. So, you know, but it's definitely, you know. Well, how does it feel for you to walk into this exhibit and see your own personal collection up here along the same walls with, with all these incredible artists? It's really amazing. So for years, I wanted to do something like this. And it just never happened. I reached out to people with little record shops or this and that. And, it, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And I didn't even want to rent this stuff out for, for photography or movies or something. And the connection I made with the Oakland Museum was great because here it is. It's on a wall and it's in lights and it's with all these other amazing artists. And it makes me look at it like, wow, this is how I want to have my shit displayed in my house. 
like instead yeah. of just hanging on a nail, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this is professional, super cool, and yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you hope somebody that comes to this exhibit walks away with? That in the hip hop culture and hip hop lifestyle, there's so many different facets. Not just like rap. It's not just rap music and stuff. I mean, that's that's obviously a huge part of it. But there is the whole fashion. There's slang in it. There's um, styles. There's the graffiti aspect that came into it. Um, just walk away with more knowledge on hip hop. You know, even me today, I'm learning stuff like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, you can always learn something. Yeah. It's always about improving and upgrading every day. And um, yeah. Cool. What, what did you learn today? I'm curious. What did I learn today? That's interesting. <laughs> I learned that they got a 1964 Impala up in here, which was amazing because there's concrete stairs and there's no access for a car. So I was like, geez, they got this in there. And that they got in here with, with hoists and they pulled it up. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's that's one thing I learned right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I want in. Yeah, right. Exactly, right? <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me and uh, thank you for sharing all, all of your, your history of hip hop. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And you can find me on Instagram at ebone415. And I got a clothing line I do called San Fantastic Clothing with one C in it on Instagram, too. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Bitch Talkers, I am back with Amanda Sade, incredible photographer. Uh, her art is here on display, and you're sort of representing the current day, present day hip-hop, right? Yes. And, and how did you first get involved in the project? Um, I was actually emailed by Trey Amos. Um, Trey and I met at Okella. Um, it's a day party, West Oakland in the garden. Um, and she had been following me on Instagram, and she liked my work. So, yeah. And what was your work prior to this? Uh, what, what kind of photography do you like taking? This is actually, all these images were taken in 2017. I got a digital camera December 2016. So this is my first year of shooting. Are you kidding me? Ever? Yes, ever. Okay, so what was... I had this as a child using disposable camera, but... Yeah. That's incredible. So what was the work that she saw prior to this that she she thought you could translate into photography? iPhone photography. <laughs> wow. Yes. And so did you did you ever think you wanted to evolve into, you know, more or, or was was this the catalyst for you? Um, this was a community effort. I moved here. I was born in Houston. July, I'll be here three years. Um, even with the iPhone photography, a lot of people that I met here say you need to graduate. You need to get a digital camera. It, it's time. Like, you have an eye. You have a gift. You need to, you know, figure out how to express yourself and be creative. Be a creator. Um, and, okay, so when it came to the, the idea of shooting for uh, hip-hop photography, how did you approach it? What kind of events? Would you just walk down the street? How did you? A lot of these images um, were taken before I even knew about this exhibit. So it's a combination of before the opportunity was introduced to me and then afterwards. Um, and I learned to practice by going to events. Um, there's So Oakland events. Um, this was at So Oakland in West Oakland. And I would go and kind of like be the introvert, but then like I don't want to be the introvert, so I'm going to ask someone, can I take your picture? So that's how, 
you know, a lot of these images happen. That's so Oakland Day, so Oakland Day. This was at the Warriors Parade. I saw this beautiful girl coming down the street. I'm like, can I take your picture? Like, the BART station, watching the boys, like, dance. Like, all of this is me, you know, trying to learn something, being confident, and just reaching out to people. I'm like, you know, can I take your picture? I love that because uh, through your art, it's also helped you grow as well. It's art therapy. Yeah. 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 So what do you hope the people who, who see this photography, what do you want them to take away from it? Um, that there's probably something within you that you can practice and manifest and create something that's really great and for me just learning how to shoot has helped my my esteem my confidence I would have never thought my entire life that I would have work in a museum so just just try new things don't be introverted <laughs> um, and, and just allow like the environment the people around you to inspire you yeah right absolutely inspire a lot of creative I, I can't even imagine my first attempt at, at shooting photography with a DSLR or something to, to be in an exhibit like this this is I mean I'm just walking around here it's it's not just art it's just being part of a community yeah yeah most definitely and that's kind of what hip-hop is right yes yes this is all what did I think this morning what did I say oh it takes a village this is a village effort village yeah. effort yeah, yeah. And did, how did you one more question how did you even feel walking up to your artwork up on these walls along with all these uh, all this other incredible work to be to be in the same to have my work in the same space as Jamal's Shabazz and even Britson I'm blown like I'm blown away like these are people that I admire and I love their work so I'm just like this is wild this is like, right. well, well congratulations on the beautiful work and, and I can't wait to follow you and see what you have next thank you I appreciate that take care thank you I'm standing here next to Vogue who is such an influential figure in the graffiti art scene Vogue thank you so much for being here with me well thank you and uh, first of all you I want to ask how you started in graffiti um, I always had an interest in art, and um, I was always on the street riding freestyle BMX. And when that kind of died out and I was getting a little older, I just took my natural talents in art from through my parents and kind of got into graffiti. And it started from watching Style Wars on PBS in like 1984. And after that, it just kind of blew up. By, uh, Style Wars is a... Oh, I, I grew up uh, in San Leandro and then um, where I still reside, but like Oakland kind of made who I am, just like Dream was from Alameda, but Oakland is, gave us the, the backyard, the playground, the canvas for us to do what we were able to do. And, and back then uh, in the 80s, what was the graffiti style like? Or and even this, the scene in terms of, you know, you write for this, t you know, how, how was the scene back then? I mean, it was like the Wild West. I mean, when I first got into it, only graffiti that was in my neighborhood was gang graffiti. It was all Latin um, territorial graffiti. Um, so what, what we ended up doing or I ended up doing is with, you know, more hip hop orientated graffiti um, where it was just 
more the focus was your name and getting up. Um, and back then, you know, like I said, it was just wild, wild west. It was just meeting somebody was like a huge thing. You could ride the bus all day long, travel, and just, just hope to meet somebody. And, you know, you had a, a misconception of like what a writer was back then or somebody that wrote. Because the only thing you saw was something from from New York. So you're all, I was always wondering, like, I wonder if, if that guy is that. No, it can't be, you know, because you're judging them by, like, what they dress or what they wear. But back then, like, it was all walks of life. Like, I met friends and still have t- till today, like, of all different races, which was which was really good. So it was a big melting pot. Um, and then, then, you know, you just established crews. Like, everybody wanted to have a crew. So then over the years, you... You have a bunch, but then when the fad of graffiti in the 80s went down and and they, people grew up and then got real jobs and real lives and had kids, then there was only like the sole survivors. And so only a, some of those crews withstood those times and then and some of those people. So. And how did you maneuver um, graffiti being an art form that was also uh, a very big in the gang scene without being part of that and, 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 and not trying not to be part of that drama? Well, luckily I wasn't Latin. The only people that they were into is mostly Mexicans, like in my neighborhood. They, those are the ones that got recruited. So being Asian, I, I didn't really get to that. I mean, there was like other Asian gangs later when I was in graffiti cause they, and they wanted me because they knew I was already up so that I could bring another element to their to their gang but I kind of just brushed brushed them off and um, they didn't come after me that hard okay. they left me alone yeah. and and you know and and I think they they separated that's pretty much for everybody as long as you didn't go over what they wrote and you just kind of complimented it mm-hmm. then they were fine with that okay yeah well, uh, in the 80s, you were um, associated with pioneering this form of hyperrealism. Can you explain what that is in graffiti? Well, you know, I just tried to bring something different because everything was like very cartoony, very plain, um, you know, basic shapes, basic colors. So I wanted to push myself and do something different. And I was trying odd things. Some stuff, of course, didn't work out. And um and I, I just kept trying and trying and trying and trying to push the limits of what you could do with a spray can. And that's how it is with this exhibit. It was just a matter of like, I need to show people that um, a spray can is no different than somebody using a pen or pencil, a paintbrush, oil or acrylics. You know, what you see in a museum today is, is you know, oh, this beautiful oil painting. but. But for our generation, spray can, and that's what relates. Relate, relates to the youth. It's going to translate. It's the, it's the, it's a still growing. It's still an infancy art form. So you know, when I pass, then there will be other, you know, three, four other generations, hopefully behind. You know, hopefully I live a little longer. Um, but you know, another hundred years, it, it could be these pieces could be worth something because that's what they're going to remember. Right. That's what's going to be important for them. Right. Yeah, that, that was going to be my, my next question. Is how, how does it feel to have one of your pieces up at an exhibit in, in the Oakland Museum and having having it started as a street form for you to see it in this venue? 
Um, it's kind of shocking at first, you know, and when I start, when they brought me in, I didn't know what to think. Um, and then once I realized how little they knew, because I take that my information and my history kind of like for granted, you know, because I surround myself with people that already know that. So I never need to express myself. I don't go, remember this or do this. But all these people at the museum, they're like clueless about all this. They're clueless about graph, who to go to, what to get, what was important, what was not. Um, I mean, they, they've heard of certain people, but that's it. But they didn't know how to even approach them. Because graffiti is like the one element of hip-hop where you're supposed to be, you know. Underground. Yep. Yeah. I said underground in case you're going to get it. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, um, and, and that's another thing. Like, I, I have a bunch of graffiti artists as friends uh, down south in Riverside and also up here in the Bay. And um, I kind of noticed there's a sort of divide when it comes to putting your pieces up in an art museum or, or, or doing legal walls and things like that, where some people are like, no, it, it's, it should stay in the streets. And, you know, that's going against, you, you, we're supposed to be supposed to be us against them. And I, I, I noticed a little divide in that sense but uh what are your what are your thoughts on that do you and do you feel that as well um you know a, a graffiti writer should do all aspects of it where it's tagging bombing freight train training well i feel like if somebody is well-rounded then that's that's a true writer um and that's what how i encased my whole life but as you get older, you just can't do all that stuff. You you either ha you have to. There's a point where you have to cross. Like when I start doing videos, like do you show your face or you don't show your face? Um, and to me, I was like, I'm, I'm an artist. I have to make money. I have to show my face. I have to cross that line. Um, but you know, I, I try and stay in touch. I try and still do things that that still reach the community. If I paint a mural, I got to make sure that it's adequate it's it's respectful it takes in consideration the people that are in that neighborhood if it's latin black asian um in, in the history that's in that neighborhood um going back to your original question like the the separate there's a separation and um a lot of the younger bombers they don't understand because they're not old enough mm -hmm. so they only see one thing they just yeah. see like let's destroy we're gonna do the freeway we're gonna do this overpass we're gonna do these trucks mm -hmm. which which i love i still love it and i wish i could still do that um mm -hmm. but but there's some people that i think that that those writers will not respect a lot of them respect me if they know the history of me mm -hmm. but a lot of people pick up the cans now they come out of college go to the art store, buy their cans, and go and attempt to do what they now is labeled street art instead of graffiti. So now it's more of an acceptable thing. Um, so those people, of course, are going to get X'd out. <laughs> yeah. And I could see that. I agree with that. Yeah. But you should know. Posing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're just kind of stealing the culture of it. I mean, they don't understand that, like, a true writer doesn't really even buy their paint. They have to go rack their paint. Mm -hmm. They rack their tips. And that's what I had to do in the beginning, too, because I was young. I didn't have any money, no job. So, and that was part of the adventure. That was part of being a graffiti writer. And that's what anybody that documents, all these people that take photographs, all these ones that from these famous photographers here, I'm not even going to name the names, they don't know that culture. They, they're only seeing it from the outside bubble. They're not, they're not 
riding VART, they're not riding AC Transit, Muni, they're not going to go eat, they're not with us, they're not going to like the hardware stores to rack the paint, they're not, they're not doing all these things that in case us. Right, right, wow. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me, Vogue. One, one last thing, what do you hope somebody that comes to see this exhibit, what do you hope they leave with having uh, uh, learned about the graffiti scene? Well, like I said, I think the main thing is if I could touch somebody and say, wow, that that really is art. That's not just some juvenile, um, you know, uh, mischievous criminal activity. This is an actual piece of art. And so that's why that's why I went all out to do what I did for this for this space in this museum. Awesome. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, you're welcome. So hope you uh, enjoyed our part two of the media preview of Respect Hip Hop Style and Wisdom uh, that's opening or has opened actually at the Oakland Museum of California. Um, I didn't say this earlier, but we are recording live at Luca's Tap Room in Oakland. I love this place. Come visit after you go see the exhibit. Just get back on BART, take the 19th Street uh, Avenue exit off of BART and come to Luca's and eat their fried chicken and drink all their drinks and just, I love this place um but i forgot to say is if this is your first time listening to the podcast you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and uh, you'll get to see me and Ange. you'll get to see all of our 200 plus episodes and a lot of our featured episodes uh, on our landing page and yeah i just come visit oakland because i'll probably move back here soon and, and i have a, a one more funny behind the scenes story so um when you enter the exhibit uh, all of you have to go as soon as you enter the exhibit you have a there's a room called the dojo and it's very interactive um, you could practice being an MC you could practice scratching you can practice I was practicing with like this beat machine and then uh, there's also a part where you could like tag you can tag on a little piece of paper and put it up on the wall so of course I went straight to the tagging because I love drawing I love art so I'm sitting there writing and all they had were colored pencils and I like using markers so I turned to the guy next to me and I was like oh you're so smart you brought your own marker Later, I come to find out it was Vogue. I was only talking to, like, a renowned graffiti artist from the Bay, but I didn't really look at him. I just saw that he had markers, and I was jealous. But when I was doing the interview with him, right before we started, he was like, you were sitting next to me at the drawing table. He's like, you were, you were jealous of my markers. It was just really funny. But, um, yeah, really cool, really beautiful people and um, people that are very passionate about their art. And, um, yeah, I just love all the art forms that hip-hop encompasses. It's such an umbrella of, of different art forms. And uh, thank you, Aaron, for allowing me this opportunity. It was incredible. I'll, I will be back. Bitch, <laughs> please.